WSAU online at WSAU.com as well. Time for Making Financial Sense. I, as always, am WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. Adjusting his headphones right now is our special guest this week, uh, Alan Halgum. Alan, uh, tell you what, we can't all go on an Alaskan cruise whenever we want, but that's where Merle is. So it's you and I for the next two weeks. I can't believe it. he's taken over the entire state of Alaska. And, I know. Uh, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if they know what to expect or what hit him. But no, they'll find out. They'll they'll find out exactly. And uh, he's he's having a great time. Uh, we've both gotten pictures. I'm sure um, some beautiful scenery up there. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of good reasons uh, to go on a trip like that, wouldn't you say? I think so, especially when it's 175 degrees in Phoenix right now, or whatever that is. I'm not sure what today's uh, forecast is. <laughs> Uh, but to go up to Alaska and say, you know what, we have natural beauty and uh, temperate weather. I think you could. I think you'd make that case. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, it's. Uh, yeah, it's not been great in some parts of the country lately. Uh, but again, this is a, a great opportunity for you, the listeners, as well, because our chatter is always uh, just filler for your phone calls at seven one five eight four five two one five five. If you've got estate planning questions, uh, we have certainly got the guy that you want to talk to here live in studio and absolutely free of charge. Free, Mike. Seriously, yeah. didn't we have a pre-show meeting about this? No, we didn't. Free? No, we didn't. If we I did, I slept this. through it. I don't know. Uh, but All right, one hey, day. Hey, look, look. I'm trying to re- give you a tax write-off here. So, <laughs> hey, two days, not just one day. This week and next week, so we can get some extended uh multi-day uh, uh, conversations here. Yeah, and uh, you know, first off, obviously, uh some people might you, you know, look at this and think, hey, what what changes in in this realm? I mean, it's legal; things are pretty well set in stone. But I, that's not always the case with uh, with your department, because I'm sure that uh, you're constantly keeping up with uh, legislation, both in Washington and in Madison. You know, we have. I think some of it is is legislation. Just the uh, uh, you know examples we've had on the show before on uh, some of the the tax rates, some of the tax rates that people really are concerned about, the estate tax rate. Well, the, it, it's a big headline. It says that when you die, the death tax. You know, this goes all the way back to probably, uh, you know, 20-plus years ago during some of the president, presidential campaigns. It was a big deal. And it turns out that not many people have to deal with that because it's such an enormous number that they let us give tax-free. Uh, now, certainly some people are over that. You know, right now there's about a $12.9 million uh, limit. So you can give that. You can give $12.9 million free. Uh, when you die without paying any death tax or any estate tax. So you say, okay, we're not worried about that. Now Congress is threatening to, you know, change some things, and that might change in a couple of years, but we'll stay tuned. But, you know, income tax has changed. So, you know, great example is we talk about, you know, how much tax do you want the next generation to pay if when you pass away you give them retirement accounts? So we can talk about that. You know, it's it's an option. And people say, well, it's, it can't really be an option. Say, well, if you plan ahead of time just a little bit and, and you include the retirement account when you think about what's going to the next generation, hopefully everybody who's saving in a retirement account just spends it. So no matter what, I don't care what rate of return and, and you know all this kind of stuff, spend it. It's yours. Now, don't spend it all at once, not the day you retire, but you know stretch it out. And you know on your 103rd birthday, you, you, know, you cash the last check. But so, so we'll go through those. I think the thing, Mike, where we get more of a variance is uh, some of the regulations that don't make the newspapers, some of how they interpret those, and and maybe a little bit on um, the state getting a little bit stricter about how you can protect things. You know, it's 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 one thing where if you say, well, if I pass away, it all just goes to, 
you know, just just uh, uh, the next generation. Or if I'm married, I give it to a spouse. But if we both pass away, it goes to kids. If I'm single, it goes to kids. If I don't have kids, I'll pick out, you know, my favorite relatives and a couple of charities. And I'll just go there. You know, we'll just do that. And you say, sure. The the downside of that is, you know, the when you talk about the, the how they set the laws and how they set the regulations is they know that. And that that for the low-hanging fruit, if you don't take a little bit of planning to, to think about it, that we lose some. You know, that, that there are other folks with their hand out waiting to uh, just grab a little bit of that on the way through. You know, it's we, we've talked about, uh, you know, easy things. We can talk about the probate process. Probate process is really is a, um, it's fairly straightforward, but it's the court process for transferring assets if you use wills as the documents when you pass away. And sometimes people are surprised about that. They think drafting a will, uh, you know, was was the planning. Like we took mm-hmm. care of this. We we checked it off of life's list, Mike. I had right. all these things to cover. You know, it's a uh, uh, you know, get a job, get a house, get a retirement account, get health insurance, get maybe get life insurance, get uh, get a will. Say, all right, I got the will. What the will does is it it just says you are now going through what we call the probate process. And the probate process isn't a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the court process. It's probate court. They should never have the word, one word without the other. You know, if you go through probate, it's probate court. So if you draft a will, you're choosing that. You're choosing to go through the court process when you pass away. And if someone says, yeah, I don't care. That's fine with me. I'm not going to be going through the court process because I died. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> right. I guess that is one opinion. That is one angle to take a look at it. Uh, but someone that you just chose We'll be doing that work, and and they're gonna they're gonna have a couple of uh, uh, points of friction, let's say, where the state, for example, says we're gonna take just a little sliver of that, just as a percentage. Mm-hmm. But there's a filing fee that just says, uh, you know, we're gonna take you know two tenths of one percent, um, which is not a lot, but you can say, well, that's a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks or three thousand bucks. All right, just mailing them a check for for essentially no reason. Uh, you know, because of that, then there are also some some steps you have to go through. You know, we talk about probate. Probate's not a good thing or a bad thing. I, I repeat pretty often. It, it's really just, it's a series of steps that they have to go through to make sure uh, that the, the court eventually will sign off. Once you enter that process, once you enter the court realm, remember you give up the power to the, to the court, you give up the control to the court, and they're the ones who get to decide when it ends. And they are not going to give their stamp of approval until they are really darn good, sure, and ready that that everything is perfect, and um, you know the state says that they have a it's about an 18 month process. They'd like you to get it done in 18 months, and some people are just flabbergasted. They say, mm-hmm. 18 months? What could possibly take that long? And then the next person next to them just smiles and says, <laughs> Oh, I've been through this. Yeah, it's a uh, you know, and you can certainly get them done if it's just you know you have you know one account and a, and a car you know yes you can get things done faster than that mm-hmm. but i would say it, it's not uncommon at all to see it go um 12 months 15 months 18 months and and we often hear from people who say that that they had to get they had to ask the court for some extensions you know pretty please hands clasped together could you mm-hmm. please extend it past that deadline which it ends up taking quite a while so yeah and and i'm guessing you know as i as i hear you describe this process i'm guessing that the the reason for this is they want to take kind of all of the guesswork out of the process. Now, the the legal language that you're going to be drafting in that will obviously is designed to take the guesswork out of the process. Everything is going to go here because this is what I said and this is how I wanted it. 
the courts then are probably, are they double checking that work then to make sure that everything is indeed the way that the person intended when they were still alive and kicking? Yeah, I think that's one way to put it is, is they're kind of double checking. What they're really double checking are the people. So if, if you said, well, you know, I want to give um, uh, some piece of property to this particular person, um, you know, then the court is going to come in and say, well, wait a minute, when did that happen? So who are who's in the universe of people who would have received things if you never drafted this will? So the court looks at it skeptically, and this isn't um, a good thing either or bad. It's just it's it's their purview. Is the court says, look, if we're going to give our seal of approval on this, once the court signs off, it is done. Like it is done and sealed and done, mm-hmm. and, and and that is it, not to be uh, disturbed. So there's a, a very high bar to get that in in just the normal course of things you know so what they will do is even you know think of uh, a step family or a blended family you know it's probably the easiest one it, it really goes to all families um, but if you say if, if people who are married have different natural heirs then you know even if it's two people who are married but they don't have children or two people who are married and one of them had children with a different person prior to this relationship you know, then when, when someone dies, they say, well, wait a minute, we have to make sure that this other generation or this other group of people or this other family, that, that their rights, we're not saying they're violated, but we really want to make sure that everybody agrees so there's no grumbling later. There's no, let's try to reopen this discussion later. So, you know, you could say, uh, uh, you know, you marry someone who has children and when that person passes away, they say, well, they're going to give everything to you first. And then you promise that later you're going to give it back to their kids. And the state says, well, before that ever happens, we're going to get their kids opinion on this. You know, do they think that their rights have been adequately uh, preserved or, or, or respected? Uh, so we're going to have to ask them to sign off on a number of things. And you say, well, I thought this was my will. I thought this was what I drafted to, to do those things. So what ends up happening is you get a much longer, and then all of a sudden when people say, well, wait a minute, I'm not getting anything, but you're asking me to sign off? You're asking me to give my approval before this moves forward? Well, maybe I'm going to think about this for a second. Now. Okay. Maybe I'm not so eager to jump right in with both feet and sign off agreeing to a process where I don't get anything. And it really kind of creates a strange situation where someone who may not have expected anything in the first place now has a little bit of, uh, uh, have a little bit of uh, control over where this stuff goes, and, and it, it creates some strange bedfellows, and it, it really does, uh, um, it, it kind of changes people's motivations a little bit. So so a lot of what we do is how do you avoid that? How do you avoid mm-hmm. tax? How do you avoid um, difficult situations? How do you avoid the state taking a piece of this? How do you avoid um, the long-term care taking all of it? You know, all those things. It, it's really just a series of those questions. Yeah, indeed. He's Alan Halgum. We're making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. If you've got a question about uh, estate planning or something along those lines, you can always give us a call at 715-845-2155, and we will certainly be glad to connect you. We'll have more Making Financial Sense coming up next. Oh, Alan, I I always tell Merle, again, I'm not the type that's going to get up early at all under my own free will. My, my trade-off on this is I get to do radio live and in person, which is what got me into this business to begin with. So, of course, getting up early, not exactly my forte, but, hey, when we get to have great conversations like this and I get to learn something and, uh, and entertain and inform people in this matter, that's a, that's a pretty, good, pretty good trade-off. 
it's fun. You know, and I think it's a, it, even the conversation is one that you don't have normally. You don't just, you know, get out of bed sometimes and say, you know, I wonder which one of Aretha Franklin's handwritten wills really will stand up in a Michigan courtroom. What do you think? Wait a you minute. Know? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's going on here? Are, is, is there something that I don't know about in the news that oh, didn't, yeah, uh, that, didn't you, we, uh, that you've been keeping up on here? Tell me. Well, well this was the uh, uh, and, and we can talk more about it maybe in the second half of the show even. Sure. Um, but uh, yes. So you know, if people think, oh, this is um, this isn't going to happen to me. You know, this isn't. I have a good. You know, my uh, real estate lawyer or my divorce lawyer or my best friend uh, works in the corporate legal department of something, and, and and she told me that. So I got great advice. <laughs> You know, this is the the example I think when last week or two was uh, Rita Franklin. You know, one of the uh, obviously greatest uh, stage personalities and oh, R&B yeah. singers of you know ever, uh, oh, who I'm sure has um, you know ex- exceptional amount of money and and the opportunity to have any legal counsel she wants. Uh, passed away uh, in kind of a blended family. She has uh, four different sons by mm-hmm. um, uh, I think more than one father, and uh, you know obviously over her long lifetime and. The and assets, assets to divide. And she passed away a few years ago and didn't have a will, no will. So they said, well, we're just kind of going down that path of, okay. of, uh, of figuring it out. She has four sons. She's single. So they think it's just going to get divided four ways. And suddenly somebody finds a will in a locked cabinet that she hand wrote, I believe. Now, the timeline, you know, I think the timeline may be a, a, a touch in dispute, but, but, uh, uh, some some lock cabinet of hers where she kept important papers as they were going through everything after she passed away as as you do, and uh, but no witnesses. So then there was a dispute as to whether they they would actually respect this will that didn't have witnesses and was handwritten. Until uh, upon further kind of digging through all of the personal assets, they found one in a I believe a spiral notebook. Wow, handwritten under a couch cushion, and you're like, this is one of the. <laughs> You know, one of the upper echelons of, uh, of famous uh, women, famous entertainers in, you know, in, in America. And we've got two handwritten wills, no witnesses on either one. One's notarized, which really isn't a, a thing for, for witnesses, or it was a thing for wills. You know, usually want a will to be witnessed. But so there's all kinds of just swirling controversy. And I believe the jury just said recently that the, the handwritten will in the under the couch cushion uh, uh, won the day with the jury. <laughs> and people say... You know, sometimes you kind of laugh and you just yeah. say, well, this is just uh, a little goofy. And until we think of, you know, a prince had his 300 plus million dollar estate with no no documents. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that sometimes there are people who just don't uh, uh, don't have a real uh, comfort level with going and talking to a lawyer. And, and maybe the two of them just so happen to be two of those. But they're certainly not the only two. There's a there's an enormous number of people. And I think part of it is instead of saying. You know, this is like I have to go to do something that's difficult. It's almost like, could you just set up an appointment, take a few minutes to make things easier? You know, what if you had the easy button for you know your whole life? Your easy, you know, the whatever that place was that used to advertise these staples. Press the easy button. Indeed, and, uh, well, I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're a, a sponsor of the show, so I don't. Wanna, they are not. You know, they are maybe, not. And, and last I knew, they, they were a, actually. Possibly teetering <laughs> on bankruptcy, but you know, the, I digress. Uh, the Staples Center is no more. So indeed, but you know, so different things like that occur, and you say this can happen to anybody. It's it's not just, you know, it's not there, there's not some uh, aspersion where you say, well, this person is 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 not taking care of things. I mean, we have 
famous, wealthy, um, highfalutin folks who, who don't do it. And I think it's just a difficult conversation. And you say, well, instead of making it a difficult conversation, make it an easy conversation. Just make a list of your things you want. It's like a Christmas list. Mm-hmm. Which things would you want? You know, do you want to pay more tax or less tax? You know, just, just think about it and, you know, pick a box. You know, if something happens, do you want uh, the people you're giving things to to be confused about it? Or would you like your preferences to be respected? You say, well, I think we got a pretty easy answer to that one. You know, it's would you like this to take more time or less time? Would you like it to be a public record? You know, one of those things, you know, when it's a court record, when you go through a will, court records are public. Mm-hmm. You know, any court records are public. Uh, so it sounds kind of goofy, and, and I don't spend my day at the courthouse, you know, combing through old files just for, you know, just, you know, just to be nosy. But, uh, you know, a few years ago, they put this stuff on the Internet, even the probate files. You know, you can access them through the Internet now. Uh, sounds strange. I, I'm not exactly sure what that accomplishes, but, uh, but that's the way it works. You know, if you want to talk about rule changes and law changes, you know, that one's had a, a pretty wide-ranging effect. So, you know, do you want to have, uh, even I think, do you want to have um, maybe family discord? You know, do you want people to be a little grumbly with each other because they're not quite sure what should happen? They're not quite sure if you should have got that account or I should have got that account. Or why, does, why did you get 60% and I got 40% or, you know, make it clear. Just make it clear. Make it easy. Make it less expensive. Give less money to, frankly, the government and the taxes and all those things. And even the government sets up the rules so you can pay less. You know, this isn't something they don't know about. It's just mm-hmm. people not taking advantage of an ability to, to reduce those things and reduce the family side of it. You know, we have uh, uh, some examples. I come from a farm and, you know, one of the things we know about farmland is it has increased in value. Oh, of course. The last... Uh, a couple of 20 years and and it really is getting to be some valuable stuff and we'll have people that say do you have any idea how much you can rent that farm for you you can rent that 80 acres or that 40 acres or that 200 acres um and then that's that's a that's a check that you get in the mail every year and it you get it over and over and over and while you're getting checks in the mail every year for this rent the property value keeps going up so the rent keeps going up the value keeps going up you don't lose the property hey this is the greatest thing ever and then the next person says, but if we sold it, I can get a lot bigger check this year. And you wouldn't have to worry about paying the property taxes, which could by chance be, depending on how your family's made up, in a state, in a school district in which you don't reside. It's, the property taxes go up, and, and now I don't have to ever pay property taxes ever again for the rest of my life? Mike, you sound <laughs> like you could be a lawyer. Like you got you got solutions to these exactly. things before we even know what the problem is. Exactly. So, but it is, you know, so, so if that happens, you know, we'll have a, a real reaction. You know, and again, I'm from Edgar. I grew up on a little small hobby farm, so it's it's different than the big sprawling dairy farms um, or the, the century farms. But but some people just want that legacy. They say we want this land to be in the Martin family so that there is a Martin family member. You know, okay, that's great. Can you make that happen? Absolutely. Can it still be in agriculture? Yep. Can can you get money from it every year? Yeah. You could rent it and you can keep it in perpetuity. Sounds like a great idea. And it's almost like you just have passive income. You know, it's like a little pension plan that never ends. Um, and other people, yeah, it's they say, I want to buy a new house. I want to buy a cabin. I want to buy a place in Florida. I want to just go buy a bunch of vehicles and jet skis and <laughs> speedboats. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just see a big paycheck and I start rubbing my hands together uh, and and there's a there's a difference there. Well, guess who gets to decide? Well, the person who has the property and is giving it to these folks can decide ahead of time if they want to. 
uh, and you can keep it out of the court system and out of everybody gets a choice and everybody gets a vote. You get to decide if you want. Um, now, there's a thousand variations of that because not everybody has a big sprawling farm that they rent out. You know, but there's bank accounts and retirement accounts and the house in town and, you know, all those types of things. And it just it just continues. Mm -hmm. And again, he is Alan Haugam. We're making financial sense on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. If you've got a question, go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. We'd be happy to connect you to get some of that great free advice without a billable hour here on making financial sense but first we'll take a check of your local news or local and national news headlines here on WSAU It is 835 uh yeah 835 on this Saturday morning my eyes might have been deceiving me there for a second but then again as uh but anybody who's a regular listener knows I've been out of my realm doing morning news for the last few days. Today, I was thankful I got to sleep in an extra hour and uh, get here at 5 a.m. instead of 4 a.m. You're the one who gets everything situated and lets us know about what's going on in the world. Absolutely. So when, when we wake up with that first cup of coffee, Indeed. then you can say Mike's got us covered. Exactly. Like exactly. Yes, I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. He is Alan Haugam. We're making financial sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. Alan, uh, you and I just kind of talking a, a little bit during the break um, about some of these disputes that can come up sometimes uh, in families, you know, when somebody has passed away and, and they don't necessarily have everything in line because uh, it, it can cause some friction. It can cause some gripes. The courts can get involved at some point. And again, your role in all of this, obviously, you you do take these things to court when necessary, but Ideally, you would like to not take these things to court because you would like Absolutely. people to set it up beforehand. That is everything. It is how do we avoid the conflict? And if people have questions about this too, we should probably tell them the uh, the phone number. Call in with any any oh, questions. Oh, of course. The uh, 715-845-2155. 715-845-2155. And it's yeah, you're right. It's I always tell people, you know, I I practice happy law. You know, that's they say, "What do you do?" I practice happy law. They say, "What is happy law?" I say, "Well, happy law is is you know keeping things out of court, keeping things out of conflict, um, keeping things where you want them to be, and you're exactly right. So one of the questions is, would you like this to go through the court system or not? You know, we talked about that with probate and things like that. Would you like this to be a short process after you pass away or a long process? Would you like uh, everybody after you pass away to just kind of get into the you know get in the octagon and kind of you know just fight for whatever's theirs? <laughs> and mm -hmm. it sounds ridiculous until you see some of these situations. So the more you do ahead of time, just to be clear, this isn't difficult. This is actually a, it's pretty easy. I always tell people, you know, if, if, if someone doesn't leave our office, I can't remember the last time someone left our office and they weren't smiling or laughing going, oh, I thought that would be different. Like, I thought that was going to be more difficult. <laughs> right. I say, that's it? Like, yeah, that's kind of, you know, we get a lot of, hey, you're not a bad guy, you know, for a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Right. But it's, it is one, you know, even the, the protecting it part, you know, a lot of, um, you know, people will say, well, I don't, the court thing I don't care about, or I have this or these accounts or, or, you know, everybody in the family gets along or whatever it is. And they, and they get along for now, obviously. But, you know, sometimes it's uh, the, the difficulty that we get into. I'll give an example is when you have real estate and money. Mm -hmm. So, and this happens, you know, someone, you have the house and the house is going to go to one kid or you have the farm or the cottage and then you have money. And then someone needs long-term care or nursing home care. Because what the nursing home takes, they don't want your house. Nursing home's not moving in your house. 
they get all the money. And all of a sudden, the money's gone, and now we have a house or a cottage that one kid wants, but there's no money to give to the other kid. Well, now what do we do? we got to figure those things out. Mm-hmm. 715-845-2155, again, is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense. Who are we talking to? This is Mike. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Alan, uh, two quick questions for you. First of all, uh, if we do put things into a trust, either a revocable or irrevocable trust, uh, does the trust have to pay any taxes on an annual basis or file uh, a tax return, that type of thing? And then the second item is that uh, when the person the person does pass away and we do have the trust, uh, basically, do the deeds, those sorts of things, uh, do they need then to all uh, go through and, and be transferred to the, the people that it states in the trust to go to? Sure. Well, I, I, maybe we'll answer those in a backwards order first, Mike. Good questions, actually. So, Mike, one of the things Mike's talking about is the trust. We haven't talked about trust much uh uh, during the show, maybe we can talk about that in the second half or even next week. But but really, a trust is one of the examples that, that a person would use to fix one of those issues. We don't usually have, uh, you know, no one ever comes in our office and we say, well, uh, let's take a look at you, Bob. You're, uh, take a, you know, here's your situation. You're, uh, you're about 5'11 and uh, married and uh, got two kids. I think uh, you're going to be a good candidate for a trust. Never happened. But if someone says, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to avoid probate. Oh, okay. Or I'd like to save a few dollars in some particular area. You know, is that a is that a, a potential tool? And it can be. So you say, well, if a person passes away, Mike, um, and uh, and you have real estate, you have real estate deeds. You know, the ownership of this particular house or cottage or farmland or hunting land or whatever it might be is titled in your trust name. It is in the in the Mike Trust. You say, do we have to draft new deeds after someone passes away? And usually, yes, but that's a good thing in that you get to decide in the trust who gets that property. So if you say, well, this this 40 acres goes to this person, my house goes to that person, the cottage goes to this person, or maybe we're just going to sell it to and, and send it to somebody outside the family and, and get some money to divide amongst our beneficiaries. Yeah, you draft a new deed. It's fairly simple process. It's a private process. You do not go through the courthouse. You draft a new deed, probably in the office, and and it really just follows whatever the trust says. So if you said, my house goes to this child and the land gets sold, great. Then we'll draft a deed. It says the house goes to that child. We transfer it from Mike's trust to child number one. Uh, the land that gets sold would be transferred from Mike's trust to you know, the Johnson family who buys it, they give us a check, we transfer it. Yeah, it's a, a very smooth process, um, um, very short time frame. I mean, you can essentially do it whenever you want to then after someone passes away. Got to pay the bills first. But uh, but after that, yeah, so there's a new deed, but it's it's very simple. You know, just send it, um, sign it, and, it, and it's good. Uh, so, so the deed process, very easy. The tax process really is, uh, it, it's when you get to choose. So you said, are there annual tax returns or is there an annual tax to pay for for trust, whether it's revocable or irrevocable? And I think for the revocable trust, we'll do them one at a time, uh, but the answer is going to be pretty similar. Uh, revocable trust, the there's no extra tax return. 
It's what we call a grantor trust. And a grantor trust is not one you hear us talk about much. It's really just for the CPAs listening. You know, that that small band of CPAs that gets together every <laughs> every Saturday morning to listen to Making Financial Sense. And now they're getting some estate planning. But but yes, the so what that means is you draft the revocable trust, but but virtually all of them are set up. So there's no tax return. It's just so if I have my wife's name is Tracy. If we were to draft the Allen and Tracy Haugam Trust and the trust had something that produced income that there's no trust tax return. It just goes on our, our 1040. You know, Allen and Tracy have a 1040. We file one every year. It's uh, got my social security number and Tracy's social security number. And, um, and if the trust has income, it goes on that tax return. If Allen has income, it goes on a tax return. If Tracy has income, it goes on a tax return. So very simple. No, no, ex- no extra tax. I mean, literally not a penny. There's not a tax return of any kind. Um, for an irrevocable trust, you get to choose, Mike. And, and people say, what? Irrevocable. Well, the reason is with an irrevocable trust, there's, you know, there's easily 30 different kinds. There's really more variations than that. But you can, we can probably tick off 30 of them without really even too much effort today. And you get to choose how you want that to be taxed. It's one of the, um, I don't know, not, a, not really a quirk of the tax code, but I would say it's an opportunity in the tax code. Um, and when someone says irrevocable trust, I would say before you venture into that, you want to figure out what it is that would be accomplishing. So for some people, they are, you know, the people who are over the 12.9 million that uh, um, our host, Mike, news director, Mike, and I talked about. We got two mics. There's only three people on this. We got right. two mics. But when we talked earlier about, uh, you know, anyone in that category, well, they might save some estate tax by filing a separate tax return. As strange as that sounds. Um, and again, the CPAs can explain this or we could even get into more detail. But you could. You could say, I'm going to voluntarily choose a separate tax return um, because if I have a separate one, now uh, I can pay it at a lower rate. And there's actually a way you can do that. Um, if you said, no, 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 I just want this for something that doesn't, it, this this irrevocable trust will hold something that doesn't produce income, then it really doesn't make a difference. Or if you said, no, I want the, ir-. for example, I'll give you a great example. I want a, a trust that will um, protect something. What you can do is you can just elect to have that treated the same way that I described the Allen and Tracy, you know, revocable trust. You can say that I want my irrevocable trust to not have an extra tax return, not pay any extra tax, um, no extra. So there's no extra, not a, not an extra penny of tax going out. There's not a tax return of any kind. But it really depends on what type of irrevocable trust, just because there's so many. And I think you just you just pick whichever one fits your goals. But but you really do have the choice. So it's a good question. It's kind of a, an advanced question. Maybe Mike is sitting in that group of CPAs who's watching the, who's, who's sitting, you know, listening to the, right. uh, the show as we speak. But good question, Mike. Thanks. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Yep. Again, 715-845-2155 is the, uh, is the number, you know, uh, a lot of legalese in there, you know, I, I'm trying to follow along. Sometimes it's even difficult for me. Uh, so if somebody, you know, has a has a question like that, you know, and, and it's going to be a long, complicated, drawn out process, how do you go through all those options with somebody and, and, and guide them towards, you know, whatever it is that might be best for their situation or ultimately accomplishes their goals? Well, usually what we do is we'll and, and I, I think others are similar. I'd say find someone who just specializes in this, you know, so it's not someone who does divorces on Monday and traffic tickets on Tuesday and, sure. you know, uh, something else, you know, criminal defense on Thursday and, you know, oh, Friday comes, uh, you want to draft a will? Come on in. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of 
you know, find someone who just does this. But I think the way we do it is we just bring people in the office and say, you know, if you would spend an hour and a half or two hours, we'll go through everything. We'll go through every option. It doesn't cost anything. We're not going to send you a bill. We just want to kind of go through it. It's more of an education process, I think, is, is probably a better way to put it. And then what we'll, we'll go through is, is, you know, who's your family? Everything revolves around the family. Um, doesn't matter if you're single or you're married or you have kids or you don't or, you know, family means people older than you or younger than you or in the same generation as you. First of all, who is that? Um, and then kind of think about what are your goals? Um, what are your finances maybe? You know, and if the finances, you say, well, I have a house or I don't. You know, I own one or I rent. Or I, I have a, a retirement account or not. You know, if you have CDs in the bank, it's a little bit different than a 401k. Uh, they're treated differently. They're, they're taxed differently. So we want to make sure we don't pay extra tax. I would say that one of my goals is, is I will show you how to pay less tax. You know, everyone in our office is, is, uh, is fixed on that, obviously. And, it's, and you kind of go through it. And then just say, what are your goals? So sometimes people will come in and say, well, I'm, I'm 58 and I'm married and I have two kids and I'm going to retire in four years. And what do you recommend? I'm like, well, it really depends on what your goals are. Mm-hmm. So we might have three or four or 10 people with the very similar demographics, but they have completely different goals. So we spend a lot of time just saying, what is it that you want to accomplish? So at the end, what should this look like? If, if this will be successful and people stop and say, well, what I really want to do is just to put everything in the, in the Cuisinart, you know, sell it all. And, and it spits out four equal shares in cash to the four kids. Great. We can accomplish that. Other people say, no, uh, I want to make sure that the cottage is always there for everyone in the family. Or other people say, I want to make sure this farmland has been in the, the family name for three generations, and I know they're not going to farm, and I've kind of come to terms with that, and maybe I even agree with that these days, but I, I still want to keep the family name on that land. Can we do it? Or the hunting land, or the how do they share, or, or whatever the goals are. Maybe it's just less tax. That's all I care about is less tax. You know, and a lot of people get to, it's can we protect it? You know, that's one of the common questions. Sometimes people, they're not even sure who they're protecting it from, um, but they say, we just want to make sure that, that no one else could come in from outside the family and just take it. A lot of time that revolves around medical, long-term care, medical, you know, long-term care, assisted living, nursing home care. Is there a way you can protect it? And there is. Uh, is there a way we can protect it and not pay any tax, you know, like Mike? Mm-hmm. And, and you can. So if you say, well, those are both goals, yeah, all right, we're going to put both those down. Is there a way we can protect it, not pay tax? I can still be in control of it, and I can do whatever I want. And yes, 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 yes. So we'll do that. We'll go through it. But I think that's really the kind of the, the, the steps. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We do have time for one more here before we get to the final segment of the show. Good morning. You're making financial sense. Who are we talking to? Morning. This is Terry. Um, morning, Terry. Quick, quick question. When I listen to financial planners and estate attorneys, I never hear anybody mention PODs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, is a POD a good tool if you don't have a trust, if you're, if you're doing a will, um, and your um, mother, father, whoever, has a significant amount of cash to lower the estate value below the probate limit? Uh, are P, is, is the use of a POD, because uh, if the cash is there... Um, the POD transferred it, transfers it on death. Correct. Yep. Um, so let's say um, your parent has three hundred thousand dollars, and you have a POD in place. And once that money is distributed, the probate 
limit is, you know, you're below the $50,000. Yep. Uh, is, is that a useful tool? And then um, if that parent has a uh, piece of property, say, in a in another state, that uh, a lot, a lake lot in in Arkansas that's, you know, valued at, uh, you know, $1,000, what would be the best way to transfer that um, to – uh, one of the one of the siblings who they would want to give it to. The uh, uh, all hypothetical, obviously, Terry. So, uh, but but no, I think you, you kind of run into. Uh, we get back to. It, I mean, this fits right into the. What are your goals now? Think of goals if, if you're the the recipient versus the parent now. And for POD, if anyone's wondering about there, what Terry's talking about is something called a payable on death account, or it's a payable on death designation, which is used for mainly bank accounts. Now, there's some things called transfer on death, like if you're transferring your Amazon stock or your IBM stock. That's a little bit different. Similar. They're cousins, but it's, it's a little different. But a true POD, just payable on death, says, when I die, just write a check. You go to the bank, um, it, it goes to whoever I want it to. And you say, well, that sounds great uh, if your goal is is really ends there. And what I mean is, from a parent standpoint, so, Terry, if you're giving this to your kids, let's say, and I don't know if this is coming from a generation to you or you're going to the next generation. Let's say you're giving it to your kids. You say, okay, I want to get it to them. I want to avoid the probate filing fee. Well, you just did it. Congratulations. You saved, you know, a couple of bucks, a few hundred bucks. You're like, that's a win. Um, the state says now when you give it to the next generation, what they're going to do is the state's going to suck that into something called marital property. So now if you give that to a child and that child ever gets divorced in the future, mm-hmm. well, whatever you gave to them, they get to keep half of it. Sure. And the person they just got divorced from is going to leave with the other half of whatever he had on that POD. And you go, well, wait a minute. I didn't give it to both of them. I gave it to my kid. Um, right. All right. Well, the, the POD, it saved you a couple hundred bucks on the probate. But but now we've got that. And you're like, all right, I get it. Um, so you kind of go through that. If the person that you're giving it to dies... Who does it go to? And you say, well, uh, my will says it goes to their children. You say, well, it doesn't go through your will because it's a POD. It's payable on death. So what happens is most of the financial institutions that we deal with will just ignore whoever that person who died was. So instead of going to your two kids, now one of them passed away, and and that would have gone to their children, your grandkids. Now we just skip that kid, and the one surviving child gets all of it. And you go, wait a minute. That doesn't sound fair. That's the yeah. that's the vast majority of everything I ever had in the whole world, obviously, because like you said, the rest of it's not worth less than fifty thousand. Right. Say, okay. Well, well, and and I don't know. Now, hopefully, no one dies in the wrong order. You yeah. Know, if my job yeah. would be so much easier if everybody just died, every family died in the right order, and it was always grandparents, and then the next gen, the next gen, the next gen, the next gen, and everybody died on time in the right order, and say, well, it just doesn't happen that way. Not always, at least. Right. So you run into a few things. Um, and you say, well, hey, you know what's e- easy about it is it kind of checks the box. You're like, I'm just going to go tell the bank and, and put it on there and then just walk away, and I feel like I've done it. But it really comes back to the goals. Now, when you get to the protecting it part, obviously that's, you know, the POD is a payable on death for whatever's left. If it hasn't been protected um, and someone needs long-term care, well, that 300000 is going to be gone in, you know, sure. two and a half years, sure. two years. Um, so that that one you kind of run into a little bit. Yeah. As far as the, the lot in another state, that is – you, you want to get that titled somehow because otherwise you're going to go through Arkansas probate um, because you're outside the state, and then you have to run into what's their limit. Is it 50000 or 20000 or seventy five? So that one is anytime you have real estate in another state, I don't care what the value is, you have a whole extra 
uh, can of goals you're going to be opening up. But, but sure. it's a good question because this is this is real life, and you have all these different competing things, and how do you get to it? But I probably right. should. Mike's probably got a commercial break. He's got to figure out. Here somewhere, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it, this is something that sounds. Uh, it, it, you know, great example. Great example. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for the call, Terry. But yeah, this, you, this absolutely sounds like something where uh, you're going to have to have a, a good lawyer in a couple of different areas to make sure that this is uh, this is sorted out and maybe preferably one that knows the law in both states. I think and even for real estate, you know, we any most estate planning, I shouldn't say most, just about any estate planning attorney deals with people with houses in Florida and houses in the UP and in Minnesota, and they have a place in Arizona. So a place in Arkansas, you know, it's, that's, I think any estate planning attorney can help you with that, but it's mm-hmm. one where um, you just want to, you want to take care of that proactively, do it ahead of time while you're living and healthy enough to sign things, whoever, whoever it is that owns it right now. Yep. He is Alan Halgamore making financial sense on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSA. You will wrap the show up after this.